Welcome back to In the Same Boat. I'm Em. And I'm Shanna. And what are we going to talk about today? We, well, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think we should kick it off with talking about a little bit of brain development, since we both come from a neuroscience background. Do you have any, do you have any information that could be helpful about brains? Yeah. I mean, I think, (laughs) I think it is worth talking about like what changes are still happening when you're, when you enter your twenties. Um, because I mean, I'm sure people have heard like, oh, your brain isn't done developing by the, until you're 25 or whatever, mm. which I mean, it's probably slightly different for like each individual, but there is some truth to that. Like the anatomy of your brain is actually still changing when you're in your twenties. Like you're not quite done developing your prefrontal cortex, which is crucial to mm-hmm. decision-making and thinking about the consequences of those decisions, which I think is interesting because like when you're like, obviously you still don't have that when you're younger, but you have like your parents to guide you or you're, you have other people around you sort of guiding you. And then when you kind of launch yourself out into the real world and it's just you making decisions, but you're not quite equipped to do that in a perfect mm-hmm. way. Not that it's a perfect way, but like, yeah. What do you think? I mean, if I had a dollar for every Instagram post that was like people who turned 25 and they're like, frontal cortex is fully developed now. Like, <laughs> um, you are friends with a lot of nerds. <laughs> no, I think that maybe I'm friends with a lot of people who aren't nerds. Oh, um, it's an interesting concept. I think it's a bit restrictive and I think people love to like, you know, mm-hmm. catch on to this idea that 25 is like a turning point in development. But I think that like in conjunction, like w- what you're saying is that the brain is fully developed, sure, it frontal cortex at 25, but there's also like societal components that play a role in that, which is what you're alluding to, like um, in at least uh, Western culture, like we live with our parents until we're 18 and then we spend four years on our own. Uh, but when you're 21, like you are fully independent in, in a lot of cases or mm-hmm. perhaps sooner, at least in the case of me as a middle class person. Um, so yeah, um, I'm also interested in how like, you know, our societal um, constraints play a role in that too. So yeah, you know, I think that 25 is a weird age because um, maybe it's because I just turned 26 and I'm like, yeah, 25 was weird. <laughs> um, but 25 is a weird age because uh, I think you're at a turning point of um, not being able to get with, away with the same shit that you mm-hmm. were when you were a couple years younger. Or at least so. you think you're supposed to have like your shit together. Oh, my brain's supposed to be developed yeah. now. So. Exactly. Uh, but how do you actually know? Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. So what was happening in your early 20s? In my early 20s, I, I think I kind of talked about this last time, but you know, my college life was like, <laughs> Shana just discovered she is gay. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was that right before you went to college. Actually, what was it was like college? right before I went to college. It okay. was like June. So was, yeah. So you weren't like watching Grace and Frankie in your dorm. No, I and it was actually like I have many times thanked whatever higher being for like the timeline because I figured out I was I figured out I always make it sound like I got like a Hogwarts letter, but I didn't. <laughs> I was on. You are gay. Uh, I was on a walk with my dog.
dog and like I like it was genuinely like an existential moment where I was like oh no I'm gay um so like I figured out that news was delivered to me by a stork when I was 18 in June of 2015 someone broke into your house yeah I was like you're gay um but no, it was June of 2015, and I went to college in September of 2015. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, college was really difficult. I it gave me the opportunity to like go to college and be very confident in that identity. You know, I talked about yeah. last time how I was like, I knew it was true. It's just the like grappling with like, okay, what does that mean about me as a person? So I knew that was true, and I adopted a very kind of dick swinging <laughs> attitude about it. I was. You know, I'm not a very um, butch person. I'm quite feminine and and definitely was at the time. I had mermaid long hair, just so like... (laughs) Absolute princess. Yeah, exactly. But would tell anyone who would listen that I was a stone-cold lesbian. But was also like really not sure how to handle that um, information and and trying to navigate. It's kind of like being 12 again, like, or 14 again, like trying to figure out how to date. Um, in the first three years of my college experience, um, was a lot of trying to figure that out, like Mm -hmm. dating different people, also just dealing with this really intense loneliness that I think comes with figuring out that you're queer. Um, Mm -hmm. like simultaneously, it's very lonely and you build the sense of community. It's lonely because I think you realize that you've spent a lot of years lying to yourself and that's really difficult lying to yourself like do you actually do you feel like you were lying to yourself or that I think it's more that I was blind and I think that like when I say I was lying to myself I I guess like fundamentally what I am saying is that realizing that I had spent that many years not knowing I was gay meant that I had so many years where I didn't get to fulfill my true desires, you know? And so college just, that is kind of a grief that I don't think we talk about enough. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I know you mentioned second puberty last time, but um, second puberty is being analogous to the goop phase, but I actually think for me, second puberty meant that when you're queer, you get to figure out your identity, your like sexual interests, your the partners you're interested in, you know, sleeping around, etc. A second time, because if you did it when you were 14, 15, 16, for most people, for me at least, it was with the wrong gender, and I was mm-hmm. pretty convinced that I was too smart for any boy, which I'm mm-hmm. still convinced is true. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so. That was kind of in the first three years. A lot of loneliness, a lot of connection at the same time. You know, I always loved being with other queer people and in queer spaces so much. Sense of community is really intense. So, yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. I mean, I, I can definitely look back at college and be like, because, I mean, I didn't enter college knowing this, so I yeah. back at college and be like, oh, yeah, no, I didn't do any, like, experimenting with with women it was I was only with guys yeah like I look back that would have been a very different (laughs) experience yeah probably a a very good thing for me to have done obviously I didn't do it but I feel like for post post college for me was I get to do that part yeah like I know we talked about this last time but it was interesting entering my quote-unquote goop phase having not like by the time I was 24 25 
I would not deny in any way, shape, or form that I'm a, a lesbian. You know, like that was not in question. Nor was it ever really in college. I think it's just more about like, you know, you're figuring out how you like to dress, how you like your hair. Yeah, your whole thing. Like it's not just the. the yeah, it's not thing. just it's the whole. Exactly. Yeah. Um, untying bits of heteronormativity from yourself and figuring out yeah. what you actually like. Um, so it was interesting that my sexuality was really not playing a role in my goop phase, but I think that the remnants of, uh, <laughs> having discovered I was gay so late are, are kind of what triggered my goop phase. Do you feel like it was late? Cause I feel like it sounds early to me, but that's I don't only know. because I'm comparing it to mine. When I found out, when I got my Hogwarts letter, <laughs> um, <laughs> When I got my Hogwarts letter, when I found out I was gay, it felt so late to me because I think I assumed that if I was gay, I would have known sooner. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought that people who found out that they were a lesbian knew when they were 12. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, that was really, really jarring for me. I felt like I was very late to the game. Now mm -hmm. that I'm older, I recognize that that actually was fairly early. Yeah, but at the time, you feel like it's oh, I mean, wow, I'm a late bloomer. Like, imagine being 18. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine Imagine being 18 and, and, and especially I think like you're just about to graduate you feel you're the oldest person in your high school like you feel so old you've just accomplished something big graduating high school for me I felt like I am so late to this party oh so you like you went throughout high school thinking that you were straight and that's sort of what correct yeah okay so um yeah that makes sense so I felt like I was super late mm -hmm. um Again, now that I'm 25, and I think that like now that there's a like kind of a relatively big revolution, especially with TikTok, I feel like I actually don't have TikTok. <laughs> okay, <laughs> never mind. Um, I'm ancient. <laughs> my friend Emily, who's 85 years old. Um, no, I think that there are a lot more people that are realizing that they're queer. Mm -hmm. I um, obviously like figuring out I was gay in 2015 doesn't mean like I was some re revolution, but. Um, I think at that time, 18 felt late to me. I yeah. think that right now there's a greater acceptance of a broad spectrum of ages realizing they're gay. Mm -hmm. And like, again, maybe this is just my perception. Um, but, you know, when I was a kid, I, because I was really just a kid, um, I thought that I was so late. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely get that. And I get the like feeling like you were lying to yourself too. Because mm -hmm. like, I, I never felt like I was lying to myself. I wasn't like trying to hide anything. Mm -hmm. um, and like people, when I was asked if I was gay or not, I'd be like, yeah, same. Like, I just, but but and, and that was not a lie at the time. Like I just didn't know. So then going back and telling like the same people, wait a second, it does kind of feel like, oh, I was hiding something from you, mm -hmm. but that like, was not the case. I just, I just simply was unaware. <laughs> I think one thing I have considered a lot is is whether like how much of that was self protection, yeah, and how much of that is like like genuinely when you don't know any other lesbian people you're you don't even consider as an option. I think one of the hard things about realizing that when I was eighteen was, and you know this is really personal to me that it felt very perverted because I didn't know any other lesbians. Like it felt. Um, you know, it, it felt 
niche at the time. Yeah. I, I didn't know of any other queer people. So like one of the reasons why queer folk in college were so important for me to connect to is realizing that you're not like a pervert for having interests in the same gender. And I think that a lot of that comes from being in like a really straight white high school that was very competitive that didn't um, you know have a gay straight alliance at the time there was no talk of that so yeah. in your head you kind of get convinced that you're um, you know something of an anomaly which is not true at all yeah so yeah I went to school I went to high school in North Carolina and it was in mm-hmm. like a, a very liberal bubble of North Carolina and my high school was like there there were gay people who were comfortably out but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't common and it was not common for girls like it like the yeah gay exactly I knew were, were men boys. like yeah. I was friends with them and I was like you know this is a great you know community but I was not like I didn't I actually didn't have I don't think I had any friends in high school who were girls who were gay so I didn't yeah like I'm just now thinking <laughs> yeah. yeah I didn't really have any like not even the upperclassmen examples like when I was really young or anything like just I don't think there were I can't think of a single one actually oh wait no that's not true I don't know there might there might have been a handful sprinkled in but just it wasn't like a common thing exactly like, like there were definitely more gay boys than gay girls yeah I think that that's something I struggled with a lot, not seeing any other gay girl. I think if literally there had been one other gay girl at school that was out in yeah. a way that I, you know, I had noticed, I would have realized sooner. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. I actually, now I, so I played soccer my whole life and I was on. <laughs> gay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of girls on, that were on my soccer team in high school who have come out not like within the last couple yes. of years so like at the time yes every, all of us were you know thinking we're all straight but and then now like there's like been one every year like there's been a, quite a few of them who have now come out um, and i don't think it was like a hiding thing for them either no it was kind of a similar situation to me and you know none of us had any anybody to look over at and be like oh yeah same thing you know no i and that's like what and you know last time we were talking about like this these intimate relationships that women embark on with each other and so many of those are Mm -hmm. fucking queer (laughs) as hell like so queer i have at least you know a handful from high school that were a bit fruity and um i'm happy for the new generation of um you know folks in high school and middle school right now that get to explore that more openly i Mm -hmm. hope and like really know what those moments are because I think when you don't know that you're embarking on a semi-romantic relationship with someone it makes it like we were talking about mm-hmm. you know if you lose that relationship and it wasn't marked as romantic but you feel deeply upset about it like mm-hmm. I'm just glad that some some kids are having the opportunity to realize that those are queer relationships and that's okay like it it honestly makes me so so like grateful um yeah and, and that's why it's important for me to be like i'm a lesbian because i want young kids to see that too mm-hmm. um but yeah and you don't have to look a certain way you no to be a lesbian exactly you don't have to look a certain way to be straight like no just, which is now i mean they do look a certain way but well, <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to though <laughs> like you can't assume just by looking some, looking at somebody exactly sexual orientation is so that was like my first, that was like a long goop phase. Mm-hmm. But 
My second goop phase. Okay. <laughs> so the post-college... The post-college goop phase. Post-college Shanna, very confident in her sexuality. Um, you know, I've been dating... I am dating this amazing woman. Hi. Hi, cutie. Um, uh, <laughs> for, you know, three years at the time. It's and not me. <laughs> it's not Emily, unfortunately. Um, uh, I think that the problems that I was facing... Um, became related to what it means to be someone in your middle 20s and also what it means to be someone in a relationship that's been going for a couple of years. And I think the first thing is, we talked about this last time, the sense of self, who you are as a person, what you enjoy, what your expectations are for life. You know, I applied to medical school last year and it was tough. I studied for the MCAT from, you know, October to May. Okay. So we should probably explain. The MCAT, an aside. MCAT MCAT is the medical college admission test. It's an eight-hour exam uh, that has four two-hour sections. You ha- it's a terrible test that you have to take in order to go to med school. Um, it is $375 to take the exam. How long are you supposed to study for it? Six months is like the recommendation for 15 and to 20 hours a week. Yeah. And that's if you want <laughs> like an pass. okay <laughs> score. And many people take it multiple times. It's like it's like training for a marathon. It has the same vibe as training it's for a marathon. It's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. When you go in there, the exam is so like tight that you have to take off your glasses and have them spun. You can wear noise-canceling headphones. Just like the tension is, it's like training your body. Yeah, you have and to like, get like strip search before you go into the exactly. room. Exactly. I feel like it works. I said exactly. <laughs> exact. See, it ruined my brain. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like also it really appeals to like you and I are both I like to think intelligent women who like to achieve Uh, it appeals to all of my worst I'm just like oh okay I'll put aside everything else in my life to make this work Mm -hmm. awful it is truly the worst yeah I wouldn't witch it upon my worst enemy no yeah well I was studying for it I like anytime that I was spending not studying for it I had a like the okay. mental image of yep. a score in my head and it would yes. tick down oh my if god I wasn't studying <laughs> like i stopped oh hanging out with people yep yeah there were people who like it just yeah it's a friendship ruiner um, like it's yeah. awful my poor girlfriend would make me meals every night for well i was and then like i was so you know like i have to have the same meal like same like i was really focused on making sure mm-hmm. that i was like fueled up properly for the day which sounds like something like someone laughed at me once they were like oh like you're an athlete and i'm like yeah like it's a long exam and you cannot get up like you have exactly the number of minutes you need to complete the exam and not a second more so you better not be hungry during one of your sections no i just brought a bunch of cliff bars that i ate during one of the bathroom breaks (laughs) yeah but we both did well so i mean it turned out fine but it was just uh anyway that's awful that's what the mcat is it's the worst (laughs) keep bringing it up i guess yeah (laughs) It traumatized us both. Yeah, maybe we should stop talking about it so much in these, but it was definitely no, like, the double AMC but... is gonna shoot us like from the sniper. <laughs> these girls keep complaining. Yep, so. that is homophobic. Yeah, it is. I'm saying it now. Okay, anyways, it was awful. It's so isolating, incredibly frustrating. 
And I think that when you invest so much time into something that's acute like that, that will disappear from your life, Mm -hmm. you kind of exit it being like, I have no idea who I am anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, that was definitely my experience. You know, when I finished the exam, I was so happy to be free, was also applying to med school still, and was just like really, really struggling with so many aspects of my life. you know, what do I like when I'm not studying? Um, you know, what do I enjoy doing? And also how, who am I as an individual outside of this relationship, which is difficult. You know, I think you can love someone for a handful of years as I do with my girlfriend dearly and also be like, I want to navigate who I am as my own person at the same time. Well, and she gets that too, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, and that's really cool. Yes, and that's one of the things I'm incredibly grateful for. But, you know, this all really came to a head in, you know, September of last year. And everything hit the fucking fan. I mean, you watched it play out. <laughs> that's why we're friends. <laughs> and that's how our friendship began. I don't know how you would describe it. Um, what would you say? I mean, I think right off the bat when we met, um, I was like... Oh, I know what this girl's going through. <laughs> like, and, and yeah, it wasn't the, the sexuality part that you were going through, but um, I, I just could see so many similarities just in the way that you were talking about, like, yes, med school, but also navigating a relationship and trying to figure out what path you want to take. And mm. just, yeah, I think instantly I was like, I totally get this. It was, just, it was also just a feeling, too. It wasn't even necessarily like the words that you were saying. It was like, I very much really get it. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> I mean, one of the challenging things is, uh, you know, navigating, like, what does it mean to be alone? What does it mean yeah. to be your own individual person? feel like I've said this before so I want to try and say it like in a more unique way but like am I comfortable with myself when I no one else is around when no one else is watching me and I leading up to that really thought that I was um and then you know shit hit the fan and it's like oh my gosh like who am I what am I doing you know like Mm -hmm. what are my values um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, like, so I think when I was younger, I would have said, I actually think I said this, it's like, I never want to live alone, mostly out of fear of, you know, being murdered or something. Yeah. But I also just wasn't comfortable with the idea of living alone until I decided to make that jump. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of, I was had the same thoughts, like, am I comfortable with myself alone? And um, I think at first that was hard, and then... It got to the point where I was like, I should probably stop being alone so often because yeah. I'm a little too happy with this. Like, which is a good, that yeah. was a good place to, to get to. I think um, it definitely was because I, I I think that it's important to not rely on other people for mm-hmm. your own comfort and happiness. It's great when you can welcome them into that, but to get to a point where you're comfortable by yourself and you can just be totally content that that felt important to me i mean we talked about this when we first became fast friends last year is this concept of like um when you're alone can you make confident decisions that feel like your own your own Mm -hmm. period 
Um, yeah, you like I, I think making even even if you're making your own decisions, if you're making them for the sake of pleasing other people or mm-hmm. like wanting to impress other people, that was something I was also very aware of because. Um, like I said before, I had ended a relationship that I was in for a really long time, and I remembered back at that, and like the way that I would make decisions, I would always include that perspective in it, even if it wasn't like what I wanted to do or what, what my perspective was. Yeah. So I was like, I need to stop making decisions based on what might, what other people might want to see from me. I think that's the difficulty of being in a relationship for, sure. for, for that hard, long is that you are part of a partnership. And I think that one of the challenges that we were having is that, I mean, I was 100% pushing her away because I wanted this sense of individualism. Yeah. The downside is that when you do that, you don't value your partner as a partner. Like, mm-hmm. how do you balance the need to be alone and make decisions for yourself and be autonomous and also respect the person that you've chosen to be with yeah. as a valuable member of that team? And part of that is naturally incorporating their opinion and thoughts into every decision you make. Yeah. I think there was... Um, you know, especially because, I mean, I'm not trying to blame everything on the MCAT, but actually I am. Um, <laughs> especially because I think the MCAT was so isolating. It was difficult to come back in real life and, and sort of, um, you know, I was sort of like, I'm really craving this sense of individualism that I'm not getting. Um, so, you know, my girlfriend and I split up for... Um, you know, six, eight weeks. It was a long time. Um, so that I could explore that. And I made decisions that led to that point that I'm not proud of that reflected kind of a lack of grappling with that need myself, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. And that era was rough. You remember it. I do. But I also, like, I feel like the way that you guys handled it individually and as, as a team, like you, I, it felt very mature. Like I, I respect your guys' relationship a lot. Yeah, I, I like to think that like it's based on some level of mutual respect and, and mm-hmm. understanding. Absolutely. And I'm so grateful that like she was able to say, you know, you know, I went into that conversation was like, we have to split up. Like mm-hmm. I can't do it. And she was like, it really seems like you need some time. Mm-hmm. Take that time. And I was like, thank you for loving me. Like for knowing that that's what I needed. Yeah. You know, the ongoing challenge I think is building a relationship based on trust, autonomy, individualism is difficult. And the relationship part of it is very different than than trying to make decisions for yourself. That that's a whole other journey, but you know, when I was I was living at my parents when um her and I had split up and that was a lot of reflection and mm-hmm. heartbreak and a bird died. A bird died. I ate bugs on she, accident. She did. She microwaved them. I microwaved. My parents had weevils in their food. I didn't know. I microwaved oatmeal. I ate an entire bowl. It was filled with bugs. It wasn't until I saw a bug in my coffee that I was like, mother of God. And it was in the flour. Luckily, I have celiac. It was in the flour. It was in the rice. It was in the oatmeal. Mm. I threw out so much food. Um... I saved a hummingbird. I went through some dark shit. Like, you know, um, yeah, it was really rough. But, but you, got, you you made it through that. And even your girlfriend made it through that. That's true. I appreciate you saying that, like, that you really respect, like, our relationship. I think that one thing that 
works and is difficult. And by no means am I like, oh, my girlfriend and I have this out perfect. But um, communicating with your partner about that need and also being able to receive that need. Like, you know, my girlfriend could have been like, you know what? Fuck you. (laughs) Um, I I don't need this. Um, That commitment to like relentlessly communicating, which is still something that is impossible to do. It's important. Yeah, so. but knowing that communication is so important and being willing to have the tough conversations is, I mean, that's the making of a really strong relationship. Someone told me a couple months ago something that really stuck with me. It was like, you can either be exhausted not having the conversations that weigh on your head, or you can be exhausted having those conversations. Mm. Which do you want? Yeah, no, none of those conversations are easy, but you can either be exhausted doing that or you can be exhausted keeping it in your head. Yeah, or exhausted keeping it in your head and imagining what the other person is going Like trying to imagine what their thoughts are rather than oh, just yeah. being willing to listen to them and tell them what yours are. Like that, <laughs> those are both exhausting things, but one of them is, you know, yeah, help move your relationship into a healthy space. One of my closest, like one of my close friends said to me that... She was like, don't write a conversation you have not had. Yeah. I think one thing that could be easy to do, you know, the longer I'm with uh, my partner, I think that it's easy to start writing the story of what will happen. I know how she's going to respond to this. So So I'm not going to do it. And mm, that is a dangerous, slippy slope. Because what I have learned is that sometimes it goes the way that I think it will. And sometimes it doesn't. Like my, my girlfriend has constantly surprised me with her ability to receive that information, um, practice empathy. And, and I hope I do the same. So don't write, don't write the story. Cause then cool. You can live with that in your head and it's gonna, it's still exhausting. It's still exhausting. Um, I feel like something we've also talked about probably, well, I feel like in the last week, this has come into play a lot. (laughs) is um, your partner or your friend or your sister or your brother cannot know what is happening in your head unless you vocalize it out loud. Yes. And sometimes... Words have to exit your Words mouth. have to exit your mouth is what Em and I keep telling each other. I think that that's really hard in a relationship to be like, I, I need this. To say those words mm-hmm. out loud um, is really challenging. To say them in a basic, non-opaque, clear way is challenging. You know, it's difficult to do in a friendship, too. And I think that that has been a major part of my goop phase is saying the words out loud. I need this. You know, one thing that has come up is like from my partner, it's like, I'm like, I need independence. And she's like, great. What do you need? Like, well, how do, what does that look like? And so she's asking me to s- verbalize that. Yeah. Let the words exit my mouth. Yes. Yeah. So it's a simple but fucking what? revolutionary concept. Yeah, of course. Like, it sounds really simple, but it's not like the habit it's really people not. are in. I feel like people do tend to sort of either write the conversation before it actually happens, mm-hmm. or they are so worried about, like, in a friendship, like, offending the other person mm-hmm. in a relationship, maybe, I don't know, having it come across in a way that, that they don't want it to. I don't, like, there's a lot of fear that goes into not saying those things, so mm-hmm. it makes sense that people don't tend to say exactly what they want. I think that what I have learned from this experience is that life is, <laughs> to use a sailing term, like you are can be at the helm of your life, 
but you cannot choose where your boat ends at the end of the day. The wind decides where your boat ends. And I think that last year, a couple years ago, I have learned that life is going to... Um, is going to change the wind on you and you're going to have to change your sails in response. And like that level of flexibility is really important. Um, and a confidence in your ability to navigate like changing life stuff. Um, you can either adjust your sails or try really hard to change the direction of the wind. Like, yeah, so exactly. Okay, so you've been trying to figure out who you are outside of whatever studying and mm. um, and your relationship, and just isolating you and yeah. what you like. What, yeah. Have you have you made progress there? <laughs> like, what do you, what do you like? Do you have hobbies? Yes. No, I think that I have always known to an extent who I am. It's a matter of giving myself the space to be that person. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, one way, uh, I always ask myself, like, how do you feel your heart? Like, how do you feel connected? I love to read anything written by British people. I love to write. I love to draw. I love being in queer spaces. I feel myself come out in those moments. No queer pun intended. <laughs> um, and I feel it when I'm with certain people. I feel it when I'm helping others. I feel it when I'm alone, too. Um, That's good. Yeah. That was where you were trying to get. And I think that I had felt it when I was alone before. It's just a matter of finding that space in a relationship that's difficult. So Mm -hmm. when I am alone, I feel it. I feel myself. And that's really exciting. I love that for me. Yeah. So, yeah. You might become a beekeeper. Yeah, I'm, I'm super interested. <laughs> I've decided that I'm in my video game side quest era, and I'm going <laughs> to do a bunch of hobbies. Not that I didn't already have enough beekeeping, silversmithing. I want to learn to surf. I'm going to hobby it up. So, yeah. And loving Beyonce, but that was kind of boring. Well, that's a given. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Who doesn't? <laughs> if you don't love Beyonce, don't listen. Just kidding. <laughs> That is a prerequisite. So. <laughs> and then we'll close out with some Beyonce music. Virgo's Groove is my all-time favorite mm. Beyonce song. So Good choice. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> I'm glad that, once again, like your experience has been similar. And, uh, you know, I think, is it too early to say we're all in the same boat? Oh, we are all in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. All right, start singing Virgo's Groove. Go for it. No, <laughs> 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 <laughs>